Our meditation for this second Sunday after Epiphany is on our Gospel reading. Hear the word of our Lord from the Gospel of St. John, the second chapter, beginning in the first verse. On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the Gospel of our Lord. God be praised for his glad tidings. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They have no wine. Typically, a wedding in these ancient times would last seven days. The family of the newlyweds would spend an entire week partying, relaxing, and enjoying themselves. And that means a lot of wine. Yet, curiously, here by the third day there was none left. We do not know why this happened. Maybe there was an accident and an urn full of wine was shattered. Perhaps there was poverty among the families of the groom and the bride, such that they could not afford more than a drink or two for each guest. Perhaps it was a blunder on the part of the wedding planners, who with massive oversight simply did not bring enough. And while we should hope that this is not the case, perhaps the people cast off all restraint and were drinking too much. Whatever the explanation, it is human failure that ultimately tells us why there was no more wine in this moment. It is a celebration but a crucial part of that celebration of how these people celebrated was not present because they failed to have enough. Mary goes to our Lord Jesus. No one else did. The groom and the bride were interested in each other. The father of the bride, maybe he was trying to fix it all on his own. Maybe these three had their own excuses. But what do we say about the disciples? Here they were, having learned from Christ himself to do what is good for others, but there's no indication in the text that they were even aware of it. To be fair, we don't know all the details. Maybe everyone was running around desperately trying to procure more alcohol, but only one guest went up to our Lord Jesus for our help. Mary, the mother of our Lord, she went to Jesus with the problem. 
up until this point, a problem caused by human failure was continued by human failure, and it is to the shame of everyone but Mary that they did not go to the one man able to actually do something about it. If you ask me, this passage shows a failure on account of the disciples, at least, to believe what they had been told. Why else would only Mary come and ask? Our God tells us to pray for our daily bread. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Believers everywhere are called to cast our anxieties upon the Lord. Here in our reading, at least half of the people attending must have at least heard that Jesus was the Messiah and they would have known exactly what the Son of Man title means, that he is the very God to whom they should bring every request, every desire, every anxiety. No one at this wedding except Mary did that. No one except her understood that this was God himself attending the wedding feast, and they should have known better. Now, you might reply that Jesus had not begun performing signs and miracles, and he had not yet declared himself to be God quite yet. So, criticizing the disciples here sounds unfair. And to that I say poppycock. If we relegated our reading to just St. John's Gospel, then we have already seen John the Baptist testify about the baptism in the Jordan, so all his students knew that this was the Son of God. St. Nathaniel knew that Jesus could see him when no one else was around, and he told Nathaniel that he would see the heavens opened and angels ascending and descending upon him, a sure sign of his authority over spiritual beings. St. John himself writes about this wedding because he was there. And yet, sheepishly, in a roundabout way, the apostle admits that none of the disciples, including himself, ask about the missing wine. Only Mary did. Maybe they thought it was no big deal. After all, it is not the wedding guest's responsibility to provide refreshments, right? Maybe they were concerned. And while they knew that the man who could call an apostle by providing a miraculous catch of fish could also make more wine, it felt inappropriate to bother Jesus while he enjoyed the festivities. There might even be an element of pious devotion here that says, Oh, it is all God's will. I shall simply submit. Whatever the reason for their inaction, it was not faith. Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But we do know about faith, right? What do we know about faith? That it is tested. This is why our Lord's response to Mary's question comes off as harsh. Because it is. Now, I know, I know. We've all heard it before, that calling his mother woman was not disrespectful, and it's how people addressed their mothers in the first century, and blah, 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 blah. All these excuses come from our commentaries in a panic at the thought that Jesus disobeyed the fourth commandment. 
But it is not addressing Mary as woman that makes this comment harsh. Not at all. It is when our Lord says, What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. This is a polite but firm way of saying, This is no fault of mine and has nothing to do with my ministry of atonement. Why do you expect me to clean up these people's mess? It is harsh, but it is a test, even of his own mother. Beloved, we know that God does not owe us anything, but he wants us to ask for everything in faith so long as it is not a sinful request. When we do ask, he reserves the right to test us and to see if we truly trust in him for what we ask. Remember the Syrophoenician woman who asked our Savior to exorcise the demon from her daughter. At first he refused. He reminded her of her exclusion from Israel. He delayed his answer. He even called her a dog. And yet, when she still held on to faith, he praised her belief and healed her daughter from afar. God wants you and I to hold on and keep trusting, even when he tests us. When we pass the test and come out stronger, he blesses us. Mary passes when her son tests her. She goes to the servants and says, Do whatever he tells you. Beloved Mary believed she held to true faith in Christ, even when his response appeared to drip with contempt. On account of her unwavering faith, precious in the sight of our Lord, he blesses them by working this great miracle. The water is turned to wine, the wedding is blessed, and Christ's disciples are made stronger in their faith on account of it. Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Despite the shortcomings of everyone in that wedding, on account of Mary's faith, Christ blesses everyone. He shows mercy on them because of Mary's faith, in the same way that we receive the forgiveness of our sins, union with Christ, and eternal life by faith in our Lord. We receive an eternal blessedness beyond what we deserve when we trust in Jesus for all of our good. Even more wondrous, it is a free gift. Nowhere does the text say that our Lord charged even one copper coin for the wine he produced, even though the quality was above and beyond what people were expecting. He did so out of pure grace for all attending, the same way that he saves us without asking for indulgences, animal sacrifice, or endless works. The wine was free, in the same sense that salvation is. Beloved, it is for mercy that we are tested and blessed, mercy upon others in addition to ourselves. In the same way, the Lord blessed Joseph with command over all Egypt that millions may survive the famine, including his own family, despite Joseph's faith in his promises being tested. 
So too did he bless the disciples with greater faith as Mary's request was fulfilled. His disciples believed in him. Not only do they benefit from continued festivities, but they are made believers by seeing this gracious act happen in real time. We are made Christians for good works, to be certain. But have you considered the amazing and precious truth that even your answered prayers are used to bless your neighbors in such surprising ways? Mary likely had no idea whatsoever that her perseverance would lead to souls being saved. Men who lacked faith, despite being called disciples, being granted faith. Imagine her joy at seeing this fruit. May we too, rejoicing in the true and certain promise of blessing, persevere in our prayers, pass the test, and receive the blessings that God pours out freely upon ourselves and others. May this miracle inspire the same faith in us that it did in the disciples on that day in Cana. Now the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.